Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast Radio. Welcome back to Southeast Radio's Business Matters with me, Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, Doug Stevens is one of the world's foremost authorities on the world of retail. Doug is an old friend of the show, and with the retail sector in turmoil all over the world right now, what better time than to seek his advice? Doug, it's great to have you back on Business Matters. I'd like to start the interview by talking about a statement which is prominently displayed on your own website. It reads, There's no such thing as being fashionably late for your future. Given the global crisis that we now find ourselves in, how important is this statement for retailers today? Thanks so much, Carl. I think it's vitally important. And, you know, it, it, what's interesting to me, Carl, about the whole COVID-19 crisis as it applies to the retail sector is that just as COVID-19 has attacked individuals with pre-existing conditions, that's precisely what it's done in the retail world as well. And so we know that there were an abundance of retailers living with a, a high dependence on brick-and-mortar stores, very, very low e-commerce capabilities, uh, tremendous investments in physical properties that really weren't creating remarkable experiences for consumers. And so a lot of those issues now are, are coming back to haunt these retailers. And so, you know, we always advocate that you need to be pushing the envelope of in- innovation, even when it seems like you don't necessarily have to. Now, our listeners will have heard much about President Trump's analysis of the COVID-19 pandemic in the US. But in reality, what impact is this unprecedented challenge having on American retail? It's a devastating challenge, uh, to be honest. Uh, And frankly, there has never been any other time, to my knowledge, in history, with the possible exception of the 1918 pandemic, when we have literally had every wheel and cog and gear in the global retail system come to a grinding halt. And of course, uh, the U.S. being a consumer-based economy, uh, you know, this is an economy that lives and dies by consumer activity. Uh, to have that retail system ground to a halt is, uh, is tremendously detrimental for the U.S. economy. And just to put it in perspective, you know, if we look at, you know, we hear a lot about the big brands out there, but let's talk about small business in the U.S. It's estimated that unless the government steps in to significantly backstop small businesses in the U.S., we could have 10 million fewer businesses, small businesses and medium-sized businesses in the U.S. by early September. And of course, Trump has made no secret of his intention to restart the economy as soon as possible. But what are the realistic timelines for this, in your opinion? And how could retailing practices be changed when stores reopen? Yeah, good question. So again, you know, if, if we sort of defer to history and, and we try and understand what history can tell us, if we look at the 1918 pandemic, for example, one, one statistic is, is glaringly obvious, and that is that in the United States, it was the states that went into lockdown the fastest or the soonest. It was the states that stayed in lockdown the longest and observed the lockdown most um, uh, most diligently uh, put those practices into place, that ultimately, once the, the pandemic was over, those states came back much, much more quickly economically. So to, to try and short-circuit this, to try and, uh, and, and get you know, the economy going before the health crisis is, is, uh, is taken care of is, is a mistake, uh, that we know. 
what will retail look like in the interim? Well, until there's a vaccine, and that vaccine is widely available and we can, most of us anyway, be inoculated, uh, there is no return to normal retail. We're going to deal with uh, mitigated uh, circumstances at retail. We're going to be dealing with social distancing guidelines. Occupancies in stores are going to be slashed dramatically. And for some retailers, to be honest, Carl, it won't even make sense to be open because the throughput of customers will be so low in comparison to the minimum operating costs that they have to, to work with uh, just to be open that it won't even make sense to open. And for those retailers here in Ireland that want to get back up and running, what should they be doing today to prepare for this? I think the best thing that you can be doing are really two things. As, as much as this is a dire circumstance for business owners, particularly small business owners, and, and as much as uh, revenue has been constrained and, and there is economic pressure, what you want to be doing is thinking outwardly instead of inwardly. You want to be communicating with your customers, showing a deep concern for your customers and your staff and really be out front proactively communicating the measures that you're putting in place to keep your customers and your staff safe. What you want to try and do is build confidence that this isn't just about making a quick nickel. Uh, this, this is not, you're not opening, uh, you know, uh, with selfish uh, interests at heart, but you are really focusing on consumers and, and making, uh, making it very transparent, the efforts that you're taking to keep them safe. And in terms of physical stores, apart from putting in place a COVID-19 operating procedure and making sure that you're complying with relevant health and safety legislation and social distancing, is there anything else that could be done innovatively within the confines of the store, Doug? What we have seen over the course of this so far, Carl, is that businesses have become extremely creative with different models of service. So some are having by appointment only uh, for apparel retailers, for example. So come in, have an appointment, we can get you all set up and we can look after you. And that way we don't have to worry about crowding. Uh, some have uh, initiated curbside pickup, others have improved their online game, and some are doing virtual consultations over the internet. Uh, so, you know, we can connect you with, a, with an expert on that product and you can make sure that you're confident about the purchase and then just buy it online. And Doug, what has impressed you most about the approach that has been taken by retailers in China? I think what's, what's most impressive, really, and, we, and your first question, Carl, was you know, about being out in front of the future, not being late for the future. I think what, what has been most impressive in Asian markets is the degree to which they were able to get through the crisis just relying on online sales. So if we look at China, for example, about 35% of retail in the Chinese market is transacted online. That's dramatically higher than the numbers that we typically see in, in Western Europe, the UK, North America, etc. So they were fundamentally more prepared going into this crisis, more prepared to do without physical retail than the North American market. And we're seeing that right now in terms of the devastation, uh, relative devastation that's taking place in, in Western Europe and North America as compared to the situation in China. And Doug, has Amazon been the big winner from COVID-19? Yeah, Amazon has certainly. Uh, I mean, if there was a, if there was a crisis that, um, uh, that played to Amazon's hand here, it, it was COVID-19. I mean, essentially, to take physical retail completely out of the equation 
and and not only that, but to exploit that weakness on the part of retailers, that the retailers that hadn't made the investment in online, in the capability to serve customers without the use of physical stores, um, that has played directly into to Amazon's hand here. And so, you know, Amazon is in. While the rest of the retail world is laying off, Amazon is hiring hundreds of thousands of workers. Now, Doug Stevens, you are a globally recognised authority on retail. What message have you got for listeners this morning that are in the business of retail and have yet to expand their business online? Well, I'll put it to you this way: I expect that by as early as about 2030, the majority of what we as consumers buy on a daily and weekly basis. So here I'm talking about sort of the everyday usable consumable items that we that we buy in the course of our, our lives. We anticipate that by as early as 10 years from now, over 50% of those items are going to be purchased online. People will go to the store very infrequently when they need information or they want entertainment or they want to just sort of get a sense of what their product options are. There will be very, very few categories uh, that we will feel compelled to go to a physical space in order to make a decision about the product. So I would sort of uh, say that, look, I think the universe is now handing you a message. It's an opportunity, if anything. And if we want to make something positive of this tragic event, the best thing to do is say, how can I fundamentally reinvent my business so if this ever happens again, I can, I can uh, exist and I can operate worry-free. And the way to do that is to build online capability. Now, in Ireland, the motor industry has come to a complete standstill. But I understand that there are motor retailers in the US, such as Carvana, that are selling vehicles online. How is this working for them? And could it change motor retailing going forward? It most certainly will, and and it already is. Uh, You mentioned Carvana. It's a great example. Carvana is one of the fastest-growing startups in the world, in fact, uh, certainly in North America. This is a company that several years ago developed a system to sell predominantly used cars online and do so in such a way that it is completely possible to make a decision about a vehicle and, and feel very confident about that. They deliver the vehicle directly to your door. You have seven days to drive it. If you don't like it, you simply call them and they come and pick it up and take it back and refund your money. So they've done tremendously well. And in fact, they're putting a tremendous amount of pressure on the rest of the automobile industry now to catch up to them. Uh, So we see manufacturers now toying with this idea of going direct to consumers. So, uh, you know, this is a perfect example, in fact, Carl, of uh, the, the, what I'm talking about. The fact is, if you can buy an automobile with confidence online, is there really anything that you couldn't buy online? And I think that should be the message to any retailers that are listening. Now, it has often been said that the greatest innovation occurs in times of recession. So have you seen any interesting advancement from any other retailers over the past few months? Yeah, great point. You know, we, we look at these crises uh, very often as, as being devastating to our businesses. But what history tells us is that it is in precisely these sorts of times of crisis that we see the greatest levels of innovation and creativity coming from the business world. In fact, some of the, the biggest and most successful companies on the landscape today were uh, companies that got their foundation during times just like this, whether it was uh, health crises or, or economic crises. And so 
uh, we've seen some really great things. I mean, Uber, for example, pivoting uh, to get into parcel delivery during this time when, of course, people aren't going to be jumping into the back seats of, uh, of, of cars. Um, we've seen Airbnb uh, pivoting to online experiences in a time where clearly people aren't going to be uh, going and staying in one another's homes and apartments. So, yeah, there's been some really creative approaches to expanding the scope of businesses uh, so that there there can still be a revenue stream. And, and that's something that we always encourage businesses when we're working with companies in workshops. We always ask that question. If for whatever reason you couldn't sell what you sell, if your core product was was invalid for some reason, what could you do? What, what sort of other services and products fit within the big idea of your brand? It's a great exercise to go through. And interestingly, COVID-19 has shone the spotlight on branding, with a company's approach to the crisis demonstrating their brand values. I know you have cited Adidas and Nike in this regard. Yes, that's right. If we look at early on in the crisis, if we just looked at these two brands and, and the way they approached the crisis, You had Adidas, which initially sent an internal memo out to all employees, making the case that it was the right thing to stay open and that it would be easy to close in the face of the health crisis, but the better thing to do was to stay open. But they thought better of that. A day later, they actually retracted that memo and they said that they would be closing their stores. When we compare that to the moves that Nike was making at the same time, Nike was focusing on a media campaign that encouraged consumers to stay away from stores, to stay home. Uh, I think the, the verbiage was play for everyone and play at home. And, and they took the same approach with their employees. They were very straightforward, said we're closing stores, we're keeping the best interests of our employees front and center. They were unwavering in that commitment. So it's not always just your ad campaigns that consumers see. They also see these, these behind-the-scenes moves that are perhaps even more important from a branding standpoint because they speak volumes about the character and values of your company. And with consumer purchasing habits changing as a result of COVID-19, are there any particular sectors that you feel may not survive this crisis? Well, yes. I I think that this is, uh, to be quite frank, it it is the final nail in the coffin of department stores. Uh, It's a channel that has certainly been challenged for not just years, decades. Um, We've seen waning sales. We've seen higher debt loads being taken on by department stores. We've seen them, uh, you know, come under siege from the low end of the market, the the pennies and the primarchs of the market, uh, all the way through to the luxury players on the other side. Essentially, department stores, uh, which you could view as being the analog version of the Internet so many years ago, are now essentially a defunct concept. And uh, COVID-19, I think, will be the, the, the final milestone for department stores. And more generally, you firmly believe that artificial intelligence is one of the biggest game changers in retailing. How do you envisage that it will change the landscape for the consumer and the retailer? And what artificial intelligence advancements are now becoming mainstream? In the future, what I envision, and I think what is abundantly possible based on all the evidence we see around us today, is that we will operate, each of us, with the help of artificial intelligence that will monitor our needs, that will be sort of our assistant that can go out into the market and find the things that we're looking for 
ensure that we're paying the right price for them, ensure that we're using any points or, or loyalty rewards that we might have, using them against appropriate purchases. So yes, AI is going to be very important from a consumer standpoint, but even more vitally important in terms of giving retailers the ability to manage the back end of their business far more efficiently than they ever could with humans. And Doug, finally, you were known as a retail futurist, but what do you predict won't change in the retail sector in the next five years, thus providing opportunities for retailers to focus on? That's a good question, Carl, because it's one that I think everyone is sort of wondering, you know, once we get beyond this crisis, will the scars of this, the psychological scars of this, and the kind of the the psychological residue be such that consumers will still shy away from physical environments? You know, in in other words, is, is this sort of the end of the shopping center as we knew it? What I would sort of point to is the fact that if you look at the 1918 pandemic, which was devastating on a per capita basis, far more devastating thus far anyway than COVID-19 has been, but it didn't put an end to the airline industry. It didn't stop people from staying in hotels, and it certainly didn't close down restaurants permanently. So we get beyond these things. And, And furthermore, we really are social creatures at heart. We crave that sort of interaction. And so I would encourage anyone listening to to understand that, yes, it's going to be a very, very complex and bumpy road to get to the other side of this. But at the end of the day, I, I think that we can expect a return to retail, a return to physical experiences and to that sense of community. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Doug Stevens, The Retail Profit. And it's a great pleasure for me to be in a position to bring you the most valuable insights and advice from one of the greatest minds in the global retail industry. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast Radio.